everyone, I'm Brandon Odo. And I'm Brian Bowling. And this is Critical Care Scenarios, the podcast where we use clinical cases, narrative storytelling, and expert guests to unpack how critical care is practiced in the real world. All right, everyone, welcome back. It is Brandon Odo with another Turbo. Topic today is some pretty fundamental stuff. All I want to do is review the basic modalities of ultrasound. You know, point of care or bedside or focused clinician performed ultrasound studies have become a really standard part of what we do in critical care as well as some other fields as well. And uh, there's a lot to be learned here. This is not going to be an opportunity for us to kind of go from soup to nuts about this topic. Uh, But I think it is worthwhile to at least spend a few minutes reviewing the basic modalities with which you can perform ultrasound. Now, we're not talking about different transducers or probes you can use. Um, Those will adjust the frequency or the depth that you can do these studies. Uh, But uh, for essentially all of them, you can use any of these modalities. What we're talking about is the manner in which you are viewing your image. In other words, how the information you are obtaining using the transducer is being translated into a form you can use. So an example would be when you perform a a CAT scan. The convention used here is that the more dense the structure, the more bright the pixel is depicted on the screen. So denser structures look brighter. And that's just a useful way we find to understand the information. In ultrasound, Uh, There are other conventions, but they vary, and this depends on the mode you're using. So there's a a variety of kind of standard ones, and you may use some or all of them depending on the sorts of studies you do. Let's breeze through them. So the most kind of normal or standard or easily understandable and probably widely used one will be variously called uh, B mode, B meaning brightness, or grayscale, or sometimes 2D. This is the kind of intuitive one where you put a probe on some skin and the more echo-dense or hyperechoic the structure, uh, which typically means the more dense the tissue, the more bright it is depicted on the screen, very much like the CT scans we described. Uh, This is, you know, when you look at a structure, it looks the way that you'd imagine it to look, by and large, with the exception of things like lungs where you're mostly just looking at artifacts. Um, This is the default mode in a lot of devices, and it's kind of what a lot of the other modes build upon, um, except when we start getting into things like Doppler. We can then take a turn to M mode. M mode is fundamentally using the same principles as uh, grayscale or B-mode. However, it's restricting the view. Instead of uh, casting its beam across a sector and showing you that entire two-dimensional slice, I mean, ultrasound beams are always basically flat slices, Uh, but it's not even showing you that whole slice now. It's narrowing that two-dimensional cut down to one dimension. So you'll see on the screen, it's going to project a a spike or a line down through your sector of view, and you can move that around. And then once you activate it, which often just means maybe touching the mode button again, it will start to trace out uh, almost a graph or a depiction of 
what it's seeing only along that spike. So it's kind of looking through a, a tiny pinhole at one line cut of what you can see and then graphing that over time. So time's on the x-axis, and on the y-axis is whatever you're seeing. So you can imagine if you, I don't know, made a, a slit in a piece of paper vertically and you, you looked through that at your B-mode screen, you would essentially see what you're seeing in M-mode. Now, why is that useful? There are some uh, esoteric ultrasound reasons why it could perhaps improve your information or whatever, but by and large, it's for utility purposes. It makes it very straightforward to um, measure or graph or compare structures that are within that cut. A classic example is measuring uh, the IVC, and we can get into whether that's a, a good way to do this or not. But by putting your M-mode spike across the IVC, uh, across its diameter, it becomes very, very easy to measure the size of that structure. Could you do the same thing on a regular B-mode image? Sure. Okay, turning now to the world of Doppler. And there are a number of different ways to do this. At the end of the day, what it means in every case is you're measuring Doppler shift, meaning as things move towards your probe, it creates a certain Doppler shift, and as they move away, it creates the opposite, and we're converting that into information we can use. So this is how we can start to measure movement and the speed of movement versus just position and anatomy and structure as we were looking at in B mode. By and large, what we're measuring is the velocity of fluid, um, usually blood. Uh, it is possible to measure the velocity of tissue itself so how quickly those structures that we saw in B-mode were moving to and fro. Uh, this is called tissue Doppler, which is a specific application. Not every machine has it. But usually we're talking about blood. The most straightforward and probably the most intuitive to use Doppler modality is color Doppler. So this is where you're going to put a little field onto your uh, B-mode image. And then when you activate the Doppler you're going to see a color shift within that field, which represents Doppler shift towards or away the probe. Uh, this is color-coded in a way that is purely by convention. So, you know, we talked about translating, you know, ultrasound beams into visual information. The translation here is that something moving towards the probe will look a certain color, and then something moving away will look a different color. By default, most machines use red and blue for these, which can be a little confusing if you're not prepared because, of course, the machine doesn't know what actual color the blood is. It's not like, you know, one direction is red arterial blood and the other direction is, quote, blue venous blood. Don't be silly. It's just towards and away. Um, you can flip that convention on most machines, so it's the opposite. It's all just whatever you want it to be. And heck, if you had a machine that supported it, you can make it pink and umber if you wanted. However, what it is measuring is movement towards, in a way, the probe. Generally, the faster the movement, uh, the brighter, more intense a, a color the machine will graph it out. It'll usually give you a little key showing kind of what direction it means what and what approximate hue means what velocity. Uh, but this is pretty qualitative stuff. Um, the power of color Doppler is that it's, first of all, simple to do. 
And second of all, that it shows you not just maybe measurements of velocities in a spot, but it shows you the, the shape of them. It, it kind of depicts uh, the area of movement, not just measuring it at one point. So throwing a, a color Doppler window over a valve when you're doing echo could be a very nice way to look at regurgitation. You could see the regurgitant jet on color Doppler and how large it is, what direction it's moving, and so on. Measuring at the velocities of it, not so easy in color Doppler, but conversely, um, in other Doppler modes that we'll talk about, um, looking at the size and shape of it would be hard there too. So it, it can be a kind of unique depiction of this information. Optimizing and dialing in color Doppler, uh, like everything else, is sort of its own topic. You can adjust the scale of the that Doppler translation, um, the one thing I'll just remind you, and this applies to all of these Doppler modalities, is that, it, again, it's just looking at velocity towards and away the probe. And that means within that one-dimensional axis. Just like in M-mode, this is just towards and away. Now, obviously, something can move in any axis, and the towards and away component, that, that kind of Y slice, is only one part of it. So something is moving straight at the probe or straight away, then you're going to get a very clean, reproducible Doppler measurement. If something is moving at something of a diagonal, now you're only measuring the component that's moving towards or away. You can imagine kind of creating a triangle here. Um, you're going to be reducing the measured velocity if it's not directly in line. Many machines give you a way to try to adjust for this. Tell it the actual axis you're measuring and it does a little bit of trigonometry to try to guess what the velocity was in the actual direction of movement. But generally the ideal situation is you just line up your probe so you're, you're looking straight down or you know, opposite to that from the structure. And you can imagine also if you were measuring exactly 90 degrees orthogonal to something. So maybe you have an artery and you're looking directly down at it. So the movement was directly across your probe. In a way, there would be no Doppler activity because it's not moving towards or away. Now, in reality, it's moving towards you as it approaches, and then as it crosses the 90, it's moving slightly away. And in kind of double reality, you're never quite at 90 degrees. But you can easily kind of understand this by looking at some structure like a carotid artery. And then if you just tilt your probe until you're kind of peering at it from the other side of 90 degrees, all of the Doppler colors are going to flip on you because things that were moving, quote, towards you are now moving, quote, away, uh, even though they're all by relatively small angles. Okay, there is a variation on color Doppler used somewhat infrequently, but it's out there on many machines called Power Doppler. Power Doppler works the same way as color Doppler, but in a way it's uh, less powerful. It's less powerful in the sense that it doesn't show you the distinction between movement towards and away the probe. It only describes movement. So you can't tell which direction it's moving. It doesn't color code it that way. It'll have one color, just sort of a, often a bright orange, and then it only shows you intensity. So this is something you could use if you don't care so much about where something is moving. Maybe you know what direction it's moving and you only care about whether there is movement or how intense it is. So for instance, maybe you throw a Doppler window onto a uh, soft tissue structure because you wanna know, is there vascularity? Is there blood flow in there? If there's any movement, especially sort of pulsatile movement, then 
that probably means there's blood flow. You don't really care what direction it's moving. You're not trying to line anything up that way. You're not measuring anything. But if you see blood flow, then clearly that's a vascular organ versus something like a lipoma or a fluid collection. You could use power Doppler here. And again, there are some ultrasoundy reasons why it can be useful and in some ways more accurate or powerful to use this than to use regular color Doppler, which you would think is the same, but just better and more powerful. The majority of the time, people do just use color Doppler, but power Doppler is out there. All right, now let's start looking at Doppler modalities that actually let you uh, measure velocities with much more precision. Um, the first one would be continuous wave Doppler. And this is actually the somewhat less used version of the two I'm going to describe, sort of like power Doppler was compared to color Doppler, but it's easier to understand if you start with continuous wave. Here you're going to get a spike on the screen, very much like an M-mode. And just like an M-mode, you can position it wherever you want, and then when you activate it, you're going to get a measurement of velocities along that spike. It will measure towards and away, just like in color Doppler, and it's going to depict them by graphing them for you. It's going to create a waveform, a scalar, uh, which on the x-axis will just be time, and on the y-axis will be those velocities. And it is uh, directional, so Doppler movement towards the probe will appear on one side of of the zero, probably on the positive scale, whereas uh, movement away will be on the negative scale. And then the uh, degree of that movement, the velocity will be reflected by how far from the x-axis it is. So this sort of spectral graph uh, it will look fairly familiar if you're used to looking at things like uh, pressure transduction from an arterial line or a CVP waveform. Uh, because you'll see a lot of the same things if you were to put Doppler on those same vessels. Of course, that was pressure, and this is velocity, but this is a you know, pulsatile vascular structure, so the two go together in many ways. Now, the challenge here is that you're getting a one-dimensional spike, and you're measuring across that, and that can be useful to get velocities. However, you can't choose where along that spike you want to measure. It's sort of averaging out everything that happens in that one lane. If you wanted to dial in that second dimension and say, I want to measure movement at one spot along this line, now you want pulse wave Doppler. Now you're adding a, a Y component to this to say, I only want to measure movement at this one uh, depth along that spike. So visually what you'll get is uh, a little gate added to your spike, which you can move around, and then say, I don't just want everything along this line, I only want movement at this gate. So you can position that gate, let's say in the center of a valve, and then measure velocities moving through that valve only. So if you had some other valve or some other structure that was in line with it, no sweat, you're not measuring those, you're only measuring this one spot. You could adjust the size of the gate, and just like in color Doppler, you can try to create a uh, something of a correction for off-axis angles if you're not quite lined up. This is one of the most common Doppler modalities we'll use in studies like echo and vascular studies and so on when you want to measure velocities. As you can imagine, you're picking a spot, you're measuring the speed things move through it. It's pretty straightforward. Now again, you might ask, why would you ever want continuous wave Doppler, the one where you don't get to choose the actual depth that you're, you're measuring from. Well, again, there are sort of ultrasoundy reasons. 
Continuous Wave has some uh, more ability to measure things that are at very high velocities without creating artifact and stuff like that. But again, just like the uh, power Doppler versus color Doppler distinction, most of the time, for most purposes, you're okay using pulse wave Doppler, which is somewhat more intuitive and straightforward. But Continuous Wave is out there. Okay, that summarizes most of the kind of core modalities you'll see. A few more distinctions that are important to understand. First of all, if you hear the terms uh, duplex or triplex, what they're referring to here is how many of these modalities are being performed simultaneously. So if you just perform, say, uh, grayscale echo, you're just using one modality. But if you then add color Doppler to it, typically what the machine will do is not get rid of your 2D image because then it's hard to, to use it. You, you can't tell what you're measuring. You want that 2D image so you can place your Doppler window on it and understand what you're measuring and make sure you're on the right structure. So you're now performing two simultaneous types of study. And it will usually uh, tile them onto the screen, you know, top and bottom or left and right or something so you can tell what's going on. This is a duplex study. Duplex meaning two different types of images. If you put pulse wave Doppler on the screen with your grayscale image, same idea. That's a duplex. Triplex would be if you had three at once. So you have your grayscale image, you put a color Doppler box on it, and then in addition to that visual depiction of movement, you also want to measure the movement, uh, say, in the center of your regurgitant jet. So you put a pulse wave Doppler gate on that, and you measure that. Now you're performing three types of studies. It, it's tempting to think of all of these as just... Um, graphical manipulation, but in, in many cases it's not. The probe and the machine are actually doing different things with ultrasound waves. Um, so you, you can't just sort of accumulate a million simultaneous studies. You sort of run out of, of power. You run out of ultrasound at some point. And that gets into the, a lot of the physics, which we don't have time for here. Um, but that's what those terms mean. So when people talk about doing a, a Venus duplex to look for DVTs, they're sort of implying that uh, they're doing things like putting uh, color Doppler on the vessel while you look at it. This is a bit of a misnomer. Um, the majority of those studies is actually just by, you know, kind of regular grayscale images and by compression, but they, they do typically do some Doppler as well. But that's just kind of a, a term we all started using. Okay, what else? What about sound? So that kind of classic uh, hissing sound from someone who's performing Doppler and you hear it converted into an audio depiction... This is something you could add to many of these Doppler modalities, particularly, you know, pulse wave or continuous wave, anything where you have that, that spectral waveform that comes out of it. You could also convert that into sound, you know. Uh, higher amplitudes sound louder. It doesn't really add information. It just projects it in a different way that you may find useful. Usually you can just turn this on or off. That's in distinction to, you know, a dedicated Doppler device, such as the, the nurse is often used to check pulses and extremities. This is a good example of, uh, you know, ultrasound application where there is no grayscale images. It's pure Doppler. Those little pencil probes are you know, doing the same Doppler study you'd be doing with your big ultrasound machine, but there's nothing to guide it because you don't have that, you know, grayscale B-mode image. Uh, obviously, maybe a little harder to find what you're looking at, but for those applications, it can be done. And they, they actually do have pencil probes like that for larger machines that they'll use on some echo studies and so forth. 
All right, I think that'll do for an overview of this topic. Obviously, if you're going to get into really making use of any of these, there's much more to learn about them. But I think it's good to have an understanding of what some of these terms mean, and if you see someone doing them, kind of what it's all about. Um, just bearing in mind that 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 core visualization of structures is generally this sort of grayscale type view. And then um, other than M mode, which is just a transformation of that, most of these others are Doppler types of study, and that can be done in a variety of ways. I'm sure we'll talk more about ultrasound at some point. But there you have it for now. Talk to you guys soon. <laughs>